Hello and welcome to the special convention edition of the Collier Democratic Roundup. This is the official podcast of the Collier County Democratic Party. My name is Jeff Spencer and I am here with Amber and Linda and we just finished watching the first night of the Democratic National Convention and it was fantastic in my opinion. Um, But uh, I wanted to get right into it. How did you guys think it played this COVID version of a national convention? You know, I was so pleasantly surprised. I truly didn't really, I, well, I, I'm going to be honest. I, I, my expectations were a little low just because it's, I think, so hard to create, you know, vigor and energy in, in a television screen, you know? And, um, and I just was, I thought the opening with all those beautiful children and young adults singing just really set the tone for the evening. And, as far as anything that I've experienced virtually this pandemic, I really thought that the DNC really brought it. I thought it was wonderful. I really did. I enjoyed every single part of it. Amber? Yeah, I am I'm in agreement. And I am one who is pretty skeptical about these kinds of, you know, pomp and circumstance shows. Um, they don't really get to me. I tend to go in the more I mock them and think that they're kind of ridiculous (laughs) and and maybe it's because it was stripped of some of the formalities and some of the more you know regimented portions of the the old party um, conventions but I really found that I was moved on multiple occasions I obviously am in in agreement with most of the speakers and felt that the points that they made were amazing um and i think that not only did they speak to people who were democratic minded but i'm i i felt like a lot of them spoke to people who maybe were in the center or even on the right and just especially you know some of those speeches where they had the republican former republican former trump voters um or current republican elected officials saying why they were not going to vote for Trump and why they thought that he was bad. Um, I thought that spoke, but I honestly thought that they made a fantastic case for not only why Trump was a terrible choice uh, for president, but why Joe Biden was a really good choice. They really humanized him in a way that is, I think, difficult to do for somebody that is already so well-known it's really hard to change people's preconceived notions of somebody who's been in the spotlight for so many years, but I feel like they really did that. Um, so I, I was impressed. And in fact, I think they should kind of keep this format from for going forward. Forever. Yeah. I was, I was a little worried going in as well. I, I uh, more for the, um, the lack of a crowd, the lack of the energy. I mean, so many politicians feed off of the crowd sure, and yeah. democratic conventions are basically the Super Bowls of politics. And, you know, you get a lot of diehard fans in there and they, they kind of cheer at every, every line and, and you can really have a crescendo um, 
as a public speaker. So I was a little worried how the speeches would come across, but they did really well. But Michelle Obama mm. is, is just, she's a national Classy. treasure. Yeah. It's amazing. It, I, you can't, I mean, it was static screen with her just talking. She could have been talking to a single person. There was, it. she is, she's better than Barack. She's better than Barack at, at conveying information and emotion and importance. It's, it, she's just amazing. Well, it was just I, amazing. I think that's her, this is the way for her to shine where Barack on a stage it's hard to outshine him. He's he has just that presence where her like you're sitting on the sofa talking to her like she's talking to you. And I think that really worked well in this environment. Yeah, I think she's going to I I think like you're right. Barack has Barack's rhetoric and this, the way he turns phrases, and like you said, he's, he's got a charisma. Not that Michelle doesn't. Michelle has a charisma as well. That, but, you know, I she just, in this moment when you have to have a conversation that's real and tangible and and heartfelt and pointed, um, I don't know that there's anybody in the world that could deliver like Michelle Obama. She's just amazing. Well, and well I, I guarantee uh, there's not anybody in the Republican playbook that can deliver like Michelle Obama. That's true. And I, I think it's a non, her non-presidential earnestness. You know, she's, she's a first lady. And, you know, she, she didn't hold the office. She was, you know, the wind beneath her husband's wings there. And so I, she saw, she saw the trials and tribulations of her husband being president and of her eight years in the Oval Office. And, you know, she can really attest to that. And that comes through in every word that she spoke. You know, I kind of, I felt that. And I think tonight there, I've been reading a lot of uh, articles and listening to a lot of podcasts and uh, that discuss the polling, you know, what what is the feeling of, of Joe Biden out there? And, you know, for a lot of people, Joe was, you know, a career politician. Joe was Obama's vice president. So I think tonight was a great first step in defining what Joe is today in 2020 and what Joe is going to become November. And um, I thought that they did that in a really, really wonderful way. Yeah, I thought that I'm interested to see how the Republican convention responds to this i'm not interested well (laughs) i hope that's not i'm interested in (laughs) i'm interested in in a in a in a morbid kind of way of like i wonder how they're going to deal with this i just think that you know we're all prepared i think for them to kind of spin this up into uh and to try to scare people that joe biden is somehow a threat. I just don't know that that's possible. I mean, I think the reason why you see from the Trump campaign so much focus on that Joe Biden is a puppet of of the far left, of Bernie Sanders, of AOC, of, of all of these um, further left politicians is because they realize they can't 
they can't paint paint Joe Biden as threatening. And I think that this convention, at least the first night, has shown that they're able to the Democratic Party is able to paint a very clear and compelling and moving picture of who Joe Biden is. And it would honestly the amount of effort it would take to try to counter that would almost backfire. I mean, it would it would almost come off as insulting to to Biden. But then again, I'm the vice chair of the Democratic Party, so I'm a little biased in my opinion on what, what's going to happen here. So, <laughs> yes, so what I other think we're we're pro dem? Yeah, let's get into the content. what other things other that... than Michelle. Obviously, she stole the show. But like, what other things did you guys find that kind of spoke to you throughout the night? Um, George Floyd's brother, I thought, was particularly moving. Speaking about the legacy of his brother, um, I thought Eric Gardner's mother. Um, the things that she said about her son to uh, the presidential nominee, you know, that we need to hold your feet to the fire once you get into office, sir, and not make the death of my son meaningless. You know, I'm, I'm getting teared up just thinking about that right now. You know, that was a particularly powerful moment for a mother to say that, you know, to a, to a presidential nominee. Um, I thought that um, the the um, daughter, um, Kristen Urquiza, um, oh, was yeah. yeah that one that one was, was... my <sighs> gosh you know and and I'm gonna say we've talked about this on the pod um, so many people are like oh they like to throw out the death rate they like to say well you know not many people have died but I I don't know if that makes us soft hearted. To think that I think 170,000 people are a lot of people. And those are wives, husbands, grandparents, mothers, you know, those are people. And so I think the more we humanize it for the general population, the more they're going to understand that there are people behind those numbers, you know. And I think Miss Urquiza was a prime example of, of what what the face of a COVID death looks like in case you forget, in case that's the only thing you want to talk about why you don't want to wear a mask because not, you know, according to you, not a lot of people dropping dead where I think enough people have died for us to maintain a level of concern in regards to this virus. Yeah. I also thought that the, the um, candidates that ran against, uh, Biden in the primary. Yeah. I thought that little clip, especially um, Corey, Corey Booker's yep. comment yeah. about how they were going at it and then in the commercial break that Joe walks over and starts talking. I mean, that's the type of thing that I think gets to what you said earlier, Amber, which is humanizing uh, a candidate or, or it's a different side of a candidate. It's a way of telling a story about someone you feel like you know everything about but then you hear about something like that, which, you know, I mean, look, he he selected Kamala Harris, who went after him mm-hmm. the hardest on the debate stage as his running mate. So I guess we shouldn't be surprised by it. But I thought that was a particularly um, cool story, moving story that that even core, even in the heart of the debate, he was still willing to come over and and be friends with with Corey. So 
Right. And help and help him out in a way in that you right. know he's he's been there before and you know knew what he was going through and even like the train story which if you've seen anything about Joe Biden it's always like he rode the Amtrak train like I mean that's kind of quintessential to his story and the way that they put that together with the interview where he's like called the man who had a heart attack when he's the vice president like that kind of that kind of personal story which I think can be can come across sometimes in these events as cheesy and it did not at all for me in this um I I felt it was very genuine and I believed it yeah I think it I I think I think part of this is that Joe Biden comes across as the anti-Trump yeah in all of this I mean it's it's on the one hand, you have Trump, who you know was inherited hundreds of millions of dollars, and you know has a gold toilet, you know, and and denigrates anybody and everybody uh, that comes across him. And then you've got Joe Biden, who rode a train as a U.S. senator for years, up until he was decades. a vi- vice decades, up until he was a vice president, and befriended people on the train and remembered them to call them while they were vice president. I mean that you can't get any more anti-Trump than that. And, um, you know, and then Michelle Obama, I think hit it home too with empathy, which I think is the key Mm -hmm. to, um, to Joe Biden's appeal is, is empathy. He's just able to, to really empathize with people. Um, and that's something that this president that we have now lacks. He has zero empathy. Absolutely. I also thought that um, Governor Kasich's speech was really good for people who kind of, you know, are in that middle ground of of conservatives, lifelong Republicans who would, why they wouldn't why the case for voting for Biden. And I think that's also the people that know Biden that have worked with him. And you've seen this, you know, people that are not even speaking at this convention who are kind of Trumpers like Lindsey Graham, who first of all hated Trump, but now loves him. I mean, you have him saying how, you know, nobody cannot like Joe Biden. And I think you can see that with the people who don't agree with him on everything, but know that he is a genuine, compassionate, person and that really is necessary um and i do think they're gonna have a really hard time pinning uh this kind of liberal ultra socialist message on joe biden even when bernie was saying i thought that was another powerful point and i'm i'm a big bernie fan but like he he not only said that you have got to vote for him i think he made that very clear like in unequivocal terms but he said also i me and joe do not agree on everything and you know joe is not bernie joe is not to the the left like bernie is um so it just seems like the things that they have to attack him for are uh they're they're grasping at straws for sure so what do you guys think was the best line hmm there was a couple. There was a couple good ones. I, I I really liked. I know what Jeff's favorite line was. <laughs> oh, do you? I'm curious. I don't know I don't actually. I'm, I'm just gosh. going okay. for historical because you know you're a history major. But 
<laughs> what oh, was well, your favorite yeah, line? Bernie's Nero. Nero's <laughs> ah, Rome is burning. burning. I love yeah, it. That was, uh, that was pretty good. And Trump I, I kind of like that. Uh, yeah, I, I thought that was pretty good. Um, no, I my favorite was um, was from Klobuchar during the thing she where, she said, where she said where she said he blamed the prime minister of Canada yes. so that he, because he wasn't in a movie. Who does that? That that who does that? I who thought that was it? was perfect. I thought yeah. that was a perfect uh, line. That might have been my favorite. She had another one too that I can't remember right now. That was she. She. I really was impressed by her. I also really loved at the very beginning the Wisconsin, Wisconsin Congresswoman Gwen Moore. Um, I thought, and especially at the beginning of the thing when everybody's kind of feeling out the how things are going to go, and she delivered and uh, talking about her sister Kamala. I really, really liked her. Yeah, I'm going to say my favorite was the very cheeky uh, Governor Whitner. Whitmer, oh, when yeah, that was um, she was like, uh, hi, I'm uh, Governor Gretchen Whitmer, or as Donald likes to call me, that woman from Ohio. <laughs> I mean, she's not from Ohio. Michigan. That, Michigan. That, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm going to say that again. Yeah. Um, as Donald likes to call me, that woman from Michigan. I was like, you go, Gretchen. Get your little dig in. Yeah. I'm sorry. That was that was my absolute favorite. I, you know, and and even I even Michelle Obama got a dig in, which I which I um, you know, no one in the in the very brief aftermath. I mean, we're recording this at eleven thirty seven p.m. So on the little bit that I saw from the recap of. Um, some of the pundits who were commenting on it, they didn't even uh, mention it in her speech, but when she said it is what it is, yes. which, which Absolutely. I thought was a brilliant Absolutely. way to just flip his use of it to describe uh, president Trump's use of it to describe how many people had died mm-hmm. and her, you know, saying that he's just not up to the job. I thought that was a cheeky way of, of getting a, a kind of a jab in without, you know, being as uh, oh, forthright. Yeah. yeah. I thought it was wonderful too. I, I just, I've honestly have zero criticism no. about tonight. I think it exceeded all my expectations. I loved everyone that talked. Can we just talk for a second about Cuomo? What a powerhouse that guy is. I thought his speech was, um, was wonderful actually. I, I think it's, it may be underrated because Michelle really brought it on home at the end, but I think the way his phraseology about the pandemic and how it's being dealt with was spot on. I thought it was wonderful. Yeah. And I, 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 I I agree. I liked his speech. Um, Well, from uh, somebody that was that, you know, nobody can speak to this pandemic and the failures and what needs to be done more than him. So I think that's why it carried so much weight. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like New York was its own little country to begin with. You know, I felt like they were going at it truly alone for the first, you know, month or two of this pandemic. Yeah. You know, so that, yeah. I thought that was pretty powerful. Well, so we, we talked about all the good stuff real quickly. There was a few minor hiccups. What did you think? Was, was there anything that was, was alarming? I know that we had some, some, uh, 
minor slow starts and and people <laughs> walking in, which I guess you can expect when uh, first time anyone ever in the history of the world has done a convention this way. So yeah, you're um, coordinating so people but... across the country via totally. different internet streams. Honestly, I I personally, as much as it's noticeable, I actually enjoyed it in in many of the speeches where you would see them they're obviously waiting to start their speech and then they're delivering their live speech like um and Clyburn and Bernie and um the senator from or the um so Klobuchar had a little glitch too yeah first. Klobuchar and as well as the woman from the senator from Nevada as well um, anyway, it was obvious that they were delivering a live speech. And I think that that was really refreshing in a way that, especially with the Republicans who are going to try to try to glob onto anything that they can criticize. And I guarantee they're going to be commenting on the flashiness and, oh, it's so produced because, you know, it was really well done. A lot of the videos were very well done. Um, which is probably something that they are not prepared for. But the fact that you also had people who were absolutely delivering live speeches um, without production, I think is important as well. So I was actually okay with seeing that. Yeah, I thought I, I, I was okay with it too. I just was, I just, we, we're, we're, we're kind of, we're yeah, no, really positive right now. <laughs> we're so Gotta mention, I'm trying to, balance it out a little bit as if it was it, you know there were a couple things that were a little hiccup hiccupy sure. uh, in did the you, middle of did it. you guys did you guys see when someone yelled go at bernie yes i like <laughs> that i was like don't give him a heart attack on my tv for god's sake how about a gentle hand signal go bernie yeah. everyone was like go like, oh my god well they have to get it done at 11 o'clock they they've got timing you know uh they told a really I heard a fu really funny story someone was telling uh, about how the conventions, I think it was David Axelrod who was telling the story about uh, past conventions. And, you know, everyone wants to speak at these conventions. And normally they're like four hours long. And um, you're trying to fit as many different people into these conventions as possible. And Axelrod said that he was walking down in backstage at one of the conventions and he ran into Reverend Al Sharpton. And he said, Reverend Al, how did how many minutes did you get? He said, Reverend Al goes, I got six minutes, but you know, you never know how the Lord takes me. <laughs> and, he, and he said he ended up speaking for like 18 minutes or something like that at the at the convention. So um, you can't really do that in this because the the television studios or stations only gave, you know, a solid two hours only. And I honestly think that that was beneficial because I think I think one, there's so much, there's so many ways for Americans these days to divide their time and to give, to expect people to sit through four hours and actually consume that like they may have done a decade ago is just totally unrealistic, especially people who are not already gung ho, like, woohoo, I'm ready to do this. So the fact that it was two hours and you had a lot of smaller clips as much as I'm, you know, not for the dumbing down of society, but I think that that is actually more palatable to people in, in our current times. So I think it'll get more traction. I'm going to say, let's go ahead and end it there. Uh, 
great first night. We will uh, we will do this again. Yep. Catch you back tomorrow, tomorrow. when uh, we have. Uh, I don't even know who we have on deck tomorrow, but I'm I excited. Know, to get some heavy say, hitters. Yeah. What's the yeah? So tomorrow night we have John Kerry, Chuck Schumer, uh, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, Bill Bam. Clinton, and Dr. Jill Biden. Okay. I'm so, excited about Dr. Joe. All right, guys. Well, I will see you tomorrow uh, late when we are reviewing what happens after day two of the Democratic National Convention. Thank you guys for coming on. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you, Jeff. All right, everyone can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We have 73 days left until the election. Still time for everyone to get involved. Hope everyone's staying safe out there. Until next time, so long.